Welcome and thank you for listening to this message from Legacy Church New Braunfels. To connect with us, go to LegacyNB.com. Now enjoy this message from Pastor Jay Miller. If this is your first time here, welcome. My name is Jay Miller and I'm the senior leader here at Legacy. And um, you're, you're brought here with intention and purpose. Uh, you may have been here to search for a family or, a, you know, looking for a place to be able to worship. And that's certainly true. But I want to tell you is the Lord has actually been searching for you because you carry a, a purpose and a calling on your life. And he's looking to activate you uh, in the place that he's going to actually plant you. And that's the season we're in right now is we're in a season of expansion and as we're moving towards expansion, not just with building, we're talking about how do we expand the kingdom of God inside of our hearts, our minds, our will, our emotions? How do we expand the kingdom of God in our homes? How do we expand the kingdom of God that touches a city? Uh, Chris Valentin wrote a, a book, I think it was like 2014 or so, uh, called Heavy Rain. And it was a really, really good book. And they did some research, and the research was this. The churches that have the, or the I'm sorry, the cities that have the largest church attendance in America... They looked at the top 10 cities and, you know, like it would be somebody like Dallas or, you know, L.A. or whatnot that had the largest population of church going, uh, people going to church. And they also had the worst social statistics of anywhere else. That should not be the testimony of Jesus at all. And that's not throwing shade on those churches. But what it is is saying this is maybe the way that sometimes we go about church, if we make the goal just to get to church, and, and hide our light inside the bushel of the church, then, that, then we're going to be happy. Because the reality is, I have no doubt that every one of those people that were going to those churches, they were free, they were healthy, they were whole, they were experiencing the life-changing power of God. It was really good. But what it wasn't doing, it wasn't translating to the transformation of a city or a region. And we're called to transform cities and regions, not just individual lives. Right, And so we have to come into agreement. How do we look at expansion? We live in a, a city right now that's uh, over 105,000 people. Uh, the last two years, we saw a statistic recently that an average of 21 people per day are moving to New Braunfels. Now, the city of San Antonio, 21 is not a lot. A town our size that just 10 years ago was 50,000 people, that's a lot. There's something's happening going right now. Uh, city of San Antonio, the metro area is expanding at a rapid rate. The metro area around Austin is expanding at a rapid rate. And within a few years, we're going to see a metroplex that's going to be between San Antonio and Austin. We are plumb in the middle of a mighty move of God and people don't even know it. Right? Like people that have no idea who God is, they're being drawn to move here. Maybe it's economics, maybe it's family, whatever it may be. Maybe it's run away from politics, maybe it's running to politics. I don't know. But the point of the matter is this is we're not having to send people very far in order to be able to transform people. They're actually coming and moving. And the prophetic words is this is that I will actually use San Antonio to Austin to be actually to be a prototype, a blueprint for what I want to do across the planet. There's prophetic words that go back to the 1940s prophesying that specifically when New Braunfels was maybe a 15 to 20,000, you know, a population city. We're in the middle of a move of God and it's time for us to wake up. Now, I know I'm actually preaching to the choir because you guys are here. You're aware of what the awakening is actually taking place. But we need to understand it's going to go beyond the way the awakening has touched you. It's going to go beyond the way revival has touched your heart or your history, your family. It's supposed to go well beyond that. And uh, Luke chapter, oh, I don't remember the exact, uh, I think it's 13 or 19. Um, it's talking about the parable of the minus. Let me hear you say minus. That's not minus, it's minus, M-A-N-A-S. 
uh, a minus was probably the equivalent of a year's wages. And, and uh, Jesus gives this, this uh, parable talking about, hey, is the kingdom of heaven starting right away? And, and he answers this because the Jews had this understanding that that meant that Jesus was about to march into Jerusalem and declare himself king. They still were missing the point that he actually had to be crucified, suffer, and die, and resurrect. And they're like, hey, when is the kingdom? And to clarify the misnomer that, the king, that he was going to declare himself king on the earth immediately, he told this parable. And he talks about a king who's going away and he brings servants, ten servants before them. He gives them minus. He gives them talents. He gives them sums of money. I want you to pick up us on this. Sometimes we, we want to look at those stories and we want to relegate them just to a parable or like, a, uh, like Jesus wasn't really talking about money. He was using it as an illustration. And the reality is, Luke chapter 19, the reality is this. It was both an illustration and he was using money as the point of the illustration. What he was telling you is this. If you can understand how to handle earthly manna, if you can understand how to handle earthly riches, then you have a capacity to actually be able to steward a move of God that's far greater than that. Because there's something about earthly riches that will actually pull in the heart of man more than anything else. Sex and money are the two things that will pull on the heart of people quicker than anything else. And you can look into our culture, and that's exactly what we have before us. Money and sex. Sexuality, gender identity, money. It's all at the root of all this thing. And we have to come into an understanding. It's only meant to be a tool. And in Luke 19, what he says is this. The one who he gave 10 actually multiplied it. So whenever he came back in, he walks up to the master and says, Master, what you gave me, it has reproduced double. And the master goes, well done, good and faithful servant. And he turns to his other servants, which would be the angels, now give him charge over ten cities. Let me hear you say ten cities. We, we do not need to gloss over what we've been called to. We live in a region that's got 13 counties. That is the fastest growing corridor in the nation for eight to nine years straight. It's a continuation. It's not going to slow down or stop. And the Lord is saying this, I've put minus, I've put talents, I've put resources into your hands. Time, talent, and treasure. How are you stewarding it, putting it into work for the kingdom so that whenever the king comes back and actually says, oh, let me see a settlement of my accounts, you go, what you gave me. It's not that I even reproduce it. What you gave me, reproduce because I put it back to work. I realized it wasn't just for me. It was actually to be put back into the soil of people's hearts. It was meant to be there. And the Lord's going to say this, great. Now, you've been able to transform a region. And this is a word for not just legacy church. Hear me on this. This is a word for the church. Every church in this region is called to this together collectively to where we would actually say, hey, what you've given us has been multiplied. And he's going to say, well done. Now you can handle influence over other cities. What you've done here, what the kingdom has multiplied here, I want you to go and actually become a voice, a testimony that's actually going to help other cities and regions be transformed. In order for that to take place, we must see tangible, social, economic transformation take place. I was not even planning on going this with my message. I'm, I'm preaching something totally different. But I'm telling you, this is the word of the Lord right now. I'm really feeling it in my spirit right now. Is we, we have to understand this. What if the social statistics in our city suddenly got turned on top of their head? Where instead of it being a highway where people were trafficked, whether that be, that be labor traffic or sex trafficking, suddenly it's where actually people were set free. 
The moment that a trafficker brings their group of people through, all of a sudden they get radically transformed and saved. Right? What, what if the hospitals begin to make a call to the church before they make a call to any other specialist? You hear what I'm saying? What, what if in marriages that are struggling suddenly come in, and, th- and yes, it's all supernatural. Let's just get this. It's all supernatural. But because you and your spouse know how to walk with the Lord, to love one another in such a way that just your testimony and spending time with them would take a troubled marriage on the rock and suddenly it would put it on the rock. Do you hear what I'm saying? Transformation. Is it supernatural? Yes. But we have to partner with it. When He gave the Now we talk a lot about identity. Something with what was in their hand. Now, we talk a lot about identity. Identity is important. Identity is not what you do. It's who you become in Him. But if you become a son, a daughter, a friend of God, you will do something with what God's given you. And it won't be from self-effort. It would be the overflow of what you've experienced will suddenly bring radical transformation. I mean, radical transformation. So much so the news is calling you up. They're not calling the church. They're going like, hey, everywhere around you in your neighborhood, all we're doing is getting testimonies of people who are healed, saved. Set free. I mean, like, there's like these radical testimonies. There should be greater testimonies out there than are said in here. Do you hear what I'm saying? Because not everyone is going to come from there to here. But everyone from here needs to go to there. This is the time we live in. And so we have to understand how to handle expansion an expansion of responsibility, an expansion of authority and favor and influence. If you are a, uh, how does it say this, you're, you're an introvert, that does not mean all of a sudden you have to be, become bubbly in something that you're not, right? Because sometimes we get this idea, I'm going to be loud and I'm going to dance and I'm going to do these things up there. Oh, I can't actually reach people for Jesus if I'm not like Pastor Jay. Please don't be like me. We don't need more of me, we need more of you. You hear what I'm saying? So an introvert can have coming along somebody and the wisdom that you carry, all of a sudden somebody is going to begin to ask you questions. Transformation is coming. Let me say, hear you say, transformation is coming. Transformation is coming to my house. Say it again. Transformation is coming to my house. Transformation is coming to my family. Transformation is coming to my relationships. Transformation is coming to my finances. Come on. Transformation is coming to my work. Transformation is coming to my business. Transformation is coming to my schools. Transformation is coming to my city hall. City, uh, transformation is coming to my state capital. Transformation is coming to the nations. When you have an eschatology, eschatology being the study of end times, that's all about escaping out of here because the devil's big and bad, then you'll never transform a region or a nation. When we, and I'm, this, is, this is not me making a statement, unless it is, about end time and rapture and stuff like that. I don't need to make a theological statement about a rapture in order to prove a point. What I'm saying is, is when he's ready to get you, he'll get you. When he wants to come back, he'll come back. But what did he tell you to do? Occupy until he returns. Occupy. 
It's a triumphal entry into a place that was once underneath the point of the enemy. And all of a sudden you bring triumph and you actually conquer the territory you're walking into. If Joshua, who did not have Jesus, hear this, he did not have the resurrected Jesus. He didn't even have the Spirit of God living inside of him yet. He wasn't born again yet. But if Joshua could be told, everywhere you step foot is the territory I'm giving you, how much more every single born-again believer that the steps that you take actually has higher authority than that? It's time to rise up, church. It's time to rise up. It's time to see finances transformed for the kingdom. Somebody asked me, are you just starting to preach about finances because you're trying to build a building? No. No. God's going to pay for what He wants to pay for. But here's the thing. He could hand you a million dollars today, but if your heart hasn't been transformed, that million dollars will crush you. Expand your capacity beyond the tangible so you can begin to understand how to steward what he's putting inside of your hands. The people he's putting within grasp around you. I want you to hear this. Jesus would say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is what? It's at hand. Keith talked about it. It's at hand. It's around you. It's accessible. What if the people who are right at hand around you is where God wants to bring his kingdom? And you just happen to be the one that can reach out and bring the hand of God to the person he's wanting to reach. What if that spouse that you've been having a hard time with is the one that he sent you to actually reconcile with and have an incredible, forget romance, like you would die for them relationship because Jesus was that loving with you. He died for you and you're his bride. It's time for us to wake up. It's time for us to take an account of what God's putting inside of our hands. <laughs> um, he won't let me get away from this. Okay, so I'm just going to go there. Um, talking about money for a second. Maybe we'll get to what I'm going to preach. Because I know what he gave me was what I was supposed to preach, but we're, we're just going to have the appetizer to the meal. Um, this idea that Jesus was poor. How many people have heard that in the course of your Christianity? How many people realize that's a lie? Heaven, heaven was his home. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He actually laid down his rights to it to be able to come here. But he had three kings that actually showed up on his doorstep whenever he was born and gave frankincense, gold, and myrrh. Anywhere probably a million and a half to two and a half million dollars worth. Pre-funded his ministry. He had women around him who actually had a, uh, were able to, to break an expensive uh, bottle of perfume that was anywhere from sixty dollars to $80,000 worth in value. Let me, let me ask you right now. Which one of you, if you had um, that amount of money, you would just throw it and burn it? I, she wasn't poor is my point. She had a business where she was actually selling this, this oil and she took out of what she had to break before his feet. He, didn't hang around, he hung around poor people, but poor people both have riches and they have empty bank accounts. Because poorness has nothing to do with what's in your bank account. It has everything to do with what's in your heart account. 
has everything to do with your understanding of how finance works, how, who's, who's your source, who's your resource, what does it look like, who has a hold of your heart. That's why Paul says, I know how to do a lot with little and a lot with much. Because all of it I've learned to do all things through him who gives it to me, who strengthens me, who, who breathes life on me. We just, we just need to come into this place of, this is not about a prosperity gospel that was just to bless you for the sake of blessing you, but it was to bless you so that you would what? Bless others. To become a blessing, the nations. When we send people on mission trips, uh, uh, you know, we just actually had our, our sister-in-law got back from Africa. And what happened? It required money to be able to go to Africa. Right? And, and the Lord provided for that. Money is needed. Resources are needed. But it's only a tool. If, if uh, poverty was a sign of spirituality, then we need to stop sending money to Africa. Or to Maui. Or to India. Or to anywhere else where there poverty is on the earth. Because poverty is not the sign of spirituality. Actually, maybe it is a sign of spirituality. It's a sign of, of, of a need for something greater. You hear what I'm saying? How does God want to place resources inside of your hands? So yes, He can bless you. Yes, you can, you can pay for your bills. All those things. But all of a sudden, you can begin like the minus in your hand. You're watching like, well, it's just multiplying. It's, every time I do what God tells me to do with it, it multiplies in my hand. I can't stop it from multiplying. When Jesus needed food, He multiplied food. He took what was in a, in a boy's lunch and he multiplied it. When he needed something to pay, money to pay the taxes that were due to Caesar, he grabbed a fish out of the water and pulled a coin out of it. He does not need your resources. He can bring it. He is the resource. Do you hear what I'm saying? I just believe that God wants to expand your capacity beyond. We, we cannot throw the baby out with the bathwater just because people have made it about Ferraris and and looking flashy and calling that the sign of their spirituality. Okay, so they missed the boat. What does that mean about you? God still wants to prosper you. First John, oh, brethren, that you would prosper in all things as your soul prospers. I, I can feel it in the room right now. There's like I'm pulling on some stuff. I'm pulling on some lies. That you, you need to shift gears about what is possible for the church of Christ. You hear what I'm saying? Okay, he said I can move on. Let those seeds plant. I want you to press in on it. Let's look at John chapter 5. And, I, and what I want to do is I want to talk real quick about testimony. Let me hear you say testimony. One of the ways we prosper like Jesus prospered in all things is Jesus understood the testimony that came from the Scriptures about Himself. He understood the testimony of prophets, what John the Baptist was saying about Him. He understood the testimony of His Father about Him. He understood the testimony of the Scriptures. And so, he, because He was able to understand the testimony, that testimony actually allowed Him to prosper. The testimony that you carry is actually either going to prosper you or it's going to bring you down. It'll actually be a blessing or a curse. And the power of the tongue is blessing and curses. And so, I, how many people realize you can give a negative testimony? Like, oh my gosh, it's so hot. It's 105 degrees. We haven't had rain in forever. It's just horrible. This political party's doing this. This political party's doing that. My boss, can you believe it? They do this and they do this. and They don't hear me. Da, blah, 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 blah. Like, 
That's not, that's just complaining. Here's what it is. Lord, it's been hot. It hasn't rained yet, but you said I can pray for rain, so let it rain. Right? It's a power of a testimony. You can identify a problem, but I begin to turn it into testimony. Lord, my boss, who doesn't see me, who doesn't know, is doing maybe some things that are shady, would you just bless them? Would you just begin to touch their heart? Would you begin to, Lord, just begin to testify, Lord, you have a purpose and a plan for them. You planted me here for a reason. I'm in my job for a reason. You want me to prosper here, which means my business is going to actually prosper because I'm here. Do you hear what I'm saying? It's a testimony. And so we need to learn how to begin to prosper in our testimony. Let's look what it says, uh, again, John chapter 5, verse 33. And you're going to see here three diff- or four different headings. First heading I have in my Bible is the testimony of John the Baptist. Verse 33, you have sent messengers to John and he has testified to the truth. But the testimony I receive is not from man, but I say these things so that you may be saved. He was the lamp that was burning and shining and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. So John had this testimony. Now let me back, I need to go back one here real quick. Um, I meant to go back here. Let's go down to 25, sorry. Verse 25, truly, truly, I say to you, a time is coming and even is now arrived when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For, here he goes, for just as the Father has life in himself, so he gave to the Son also to have life in himself. And he gave him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and will come out. Those who did the good deeds to a resurrection of life, those who committed the bad deeds to a resurrection of judgment. I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Verse 31, if I alone testify about myself, my testimony is not true. There's another who testifies about me, and I know that the testimony which he gives about me is true. Now, verse 33, you sent messengers to John, and he's testified to the truth, the truth of who Jesus is. But the testimony I receive is not from man, but I say these things that you may be saved. He was the lamp that was burning and shining, and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. Verse 36, But the testimony I have is greater than the testimony of John for the works which the Father has given me to accomplish. The very works that I do testify about me that the Father has sent me. And the Father who sent me, he has testified about me. You have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his form. Also, you do not have his word remaining in you because you do not believe in him whom he sent. This is, he's talking to the Pharisees or the Sadducees. The reason this, the Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection. So he's testifying to them. Look what it says, verse 39. You examine the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it's those very scriptures that testify. Let me hear you say testify. Let me hear you say testimony. So it's a legal testimony that testify about me, and yet you're unwilling to come to me so that you, could, you may have life. I do not receive glory from people, but I know you that you do not have the love of God in yourselves. I've come in my Father's name, and you did not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you will receive him. In other words, they were willing to receive the testimony of people other than Jesus. How can you believe then when you accept glory from one another and you do not seek the glory that is from the one and only God? Which means the testimony of Jesus has a glory. The testimony of men, 
the world has no glory in it. Do you not think that I will accuse you before the Father? The one who accuses you is Moses, in whom you have put your hope. For if you believed Moses, you would have believed me, for he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? There's a lot to unpack there, but here's really what I want to focus in on this. John the Baptist represented the, the prophets. The testimony that God has given about you, have you ever received a prophetic word? Raise your hand. It's important for you to understand that testimony did not come from men, mere mortals. It didn't come from inside of you. It came from the throne room of God. It came from before the foundations of the earth. This is my plan for you. And one of the things you have to actually steward well if you're going to expand and prosper is you have to steward the prophetic words that have been spoken about you, which means this. You need to listen to them. You need to go on repeat. You need to come back and actually, Lord, where are we at in this process? You need to treasure them like you would actually treasure the very voice of God. Because in times, good times and bad, they're actually going to be a weapon for you. Paul tells Timothy, war with your prophetic words. War with them. War is not just necessary for the bad times. If we're only warring when we're in a deep season or a bad season, we're actually missing the greatest part of war. The expansion of war is expansion of triumph. In the good times, what's happening? The enemy's on the run. I'm going to continue to declare the Lord has actually prophesied this about me. This is who I am. This is says, He says what I will do in my lifetime, what my family do. This is what He has. I'm going to war with my words. And I can see the enemy running because I'm actually not afraid. I'm not on the defensive. I'm not pulling out the prophetic word and saying, I hope this works. This is going, no, you understand this devil. This is what God has said about me. I'm chosen. I will see this come about in my lifetime. My children will see this come about in their lifetime. So you better turn around. This is how you steward the testimony that comes from a prophetic word. You have to treat it as legal. God will not speak something He does not believe. God will not speak something He does not intend to fulfill. So grab a hold of your prophetic words. That means you need to learn how to steward them. And in the coming fall, we're going to actually have some prophetic processing opera fall. But I want you to hold on to this. There's a test process your prophetic words. That's going to be coming some point in the fall. But I want you to hold on to this. There's a testimony. When we do, we, we do encounter Sundays and our prophetic team's up here, they're not just waiting for a good feeling to give you a word. They're pulling on the heart of the Father. Father, what are you saying about the people in the room right now? What is your destiny? What's your plan for them? We're not looking for feel-good words. We're not looking, oh boy, I got a word of knowledge about purple. Yay, God. That's only to identify that God's actually speaking to somebody. But what's the destiny-shifting word? This is what we need to step into. You need to pray this over your children. The second part we read here is this, the completed works. Because here's the thing about a prophetic word. As long as it remains undone, it's just wistful thinking. You have to partner with the word and put it into action. Jesus said this, I've got lots of prophetic words that were spoken about me. I'm the Messiah. But here's what testifies greater. I've actually done something with them. I've healed the sick. I've raised the, the dead. I've, I've opened the eyes of the blind. I've actually been doing these things. There's a testimony of what actually followed with the work from the, uh, from the prophetic work. Begin to put in action. And that has a legal movement into authority. If you want to move in authority, begin to do something with what God's already given you. Prophetic word, yes. Do something with it. 
When's the last time you prayed for your neighbors? When's the last time you prayed for your spouse? When's the last time that you read the Bible? When's the last time you actually led your family into worship? Now hear me on this. You're probably used to being, me being one that's a little bit, hey, it's okay. No shame, no guilt, no condemnation. And that's still true. But I'm not talking to you right now like a pastor. I'm talking to you like a papa that says this. It's time for us because you can handle this word. Right? What you do does not give you your identity. But if you have your identity and you're not doing it, you're actually not really in your identity. You hear what I'm saying? Time to rise up. Time. Grace comes with the prophetic word to actually put into action. Grace comes when you begin to say, Lord, you said this about me. I'm going to step out in faith. How did Peter walk on the water? Lord, if it's you, call me out to you. All right, Peter, come on out. Peter had to make a decision to step out of the boat. He could have said, no, that's okay. I really believe it's you. I was just joking. I was, no, no. Peter would not become the man that he became if he didn't get out of the boat. It's not just hearing it. There's putting the action. The grace sometimes for the action is not going to come until you put your foot on the water, until you get out of the boat. You have to get out of your seat. That means this. You're going to have to be the first one. If you've got a, a disagreement, people in relationships, don't wait for them to come to you. Oh, there, there's a scripture that says this. If you're at the altar bringing your, your sacrifice and you know somebody has something against you, not that you have something against them, you know somebody's got against something against you, leave your sacrifice at the altar and you go to that person and you reconcile with them. Be the person of action. Be the first one to extend grace. Be the first one to extend forgiveness. And be the first one to ask for forgiveness. Reconciliation. You've been given this ministry of reconciliation. Actions. Get out of the boat. Let me hear you say, get out of the boat. Third one. The testimony of the Father. Let me hear you say, the testimony of the Father. This goes back to identity. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased before he had actually done any public ministry. There was a testimony of the Father where Jesus knew at all points and all times he was fully loved, he was fully accepted. What ends up happening in religion is we forget the testimony of the Father and we become religious because suddenly you feel like we have to be the ones that are actually carrying it out ourselves rather than the one whom he sent which is the Spirit of God who lives inside of you. It's time to let go that you actually have the capacity to do any of this on your own. But the Father's testified about you. If you surrender to me, if you obey me, there's grace that comes and you'll be able to fully step into everything I've called you to do. It will not prove your identity by what you do. It's only the testimony of the Father. It also says this, a lot of times the testimony of the Father becomes only about us. But as now we step, I've got a prophetic word. I'm now taking action on it. What am I doing? If I don't know how to take the testimony of the Father about me, I'm never going to actually bring the testimony of the Father to other people. I only what? Do what I see my Father doing. I only say what I hear my Father saying. That's the testimony of the Father. Jesus understood the testimony of His Father about Himself about the Jews, and about the Gentiles. He knew the testimony. What was this? I have not come yet to judge the world. 
Judgment will come, and I will judge the world at the end. But right now, here's the testimony of the Father. I'm here to rescue you. I'm here to save you. I'm here to set you back into right standing. Let me give you a testimony of the Father. This is why a, a hell and brimstone message does not actually bring people into a born-again experience. You can't scare somebody into the gospel of the kingdom because he doesn't send what? A spirit of fear. Last time I read. But one of power, love, and a sound mind. When's the last time you were terrified and you were a sound mind? Fear will never bring the soundness of your mind. It will always bring you to anxiety. It will always bring you into panic. It will always take you away from what the Lord's doing. Instead, to come into this place, man, the Lord has testified about me. And he's testified about you that he so loved the world that he gave his son for you. Testify. Testimony. Let me tell you this. You might be praying for a loved one, a coworker, somebody who seems so far away from the Lord, and you're like, every time I talk to them, all they do is bite my head off and tell me not to talk about Jesus. Let me tell you right now. Continue to testify to them, to their face, and testify in the closet. Testify in the prayer room. Lord, you said this about my spouse. You said this about my children. You said that Jesus is enough. The blood was enough. Begin to throw enough testimony of the Father into the atmosphere so that the lies that they're actually believing, the testimonies of the devil that are coming to them, the enemy's testifying to them, you're a loser you're not, nobody loves you, you're separated. That, that's a testimony that's coming to them. You so fill it with the testimony of the Father that the lies of the enemy begin to get down. Knock it down. Like, knock it down. Testify. Fill the air with the testimony of God. And watch as he actually fulfills. He's going to go, is there faith in the world? Oh, I see the faith right there. Remember this, the, the testimony of the centurion. He comes to Jesus and says, my servant is actually sick. And Jesus says, I'll come to your house. The, the centurion, a Roman centurion, says, no, 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 no. You're a man underneath authority. I'm underneath authority. You have people. If you tell them, if you give the command, they'll actually go. You don't even have to come. And it says, Jesus, amazed at his faith. He had faith greater than the Jews did. Why? Because the testimony in the atmosphere in the air. And immediately, was it? Jesus says, in that hour, he was what? Healed. Who went? Heaven. Because of the testimony of the Father. And a centurion who partnered with the Father about his servant. Transformation is going to come. If you've got a family member on the other side of the planet, I want to tell you right now, we're coming into the age right now where signs, miracles, and wonders that have not been seen since the days of the early apostles are going to begin to multiply. It, that this, it's, it's in Scripture, but it's always been what Jesus intended. So you need to fill with the testimony. Say, so, well, what happened if I pray for somebody and they die? They still won. And continue to testify, but I'm telling you what right now, if you begin to fill the atmosphere of praise the way that the enemy is trying to bring death, a spirit of death, a spirit of affirmity onto our nation, what's going to happen is the testimony of the church will suddenly match the testimony of the Father about America and the ones who have been testifying a prophecy and negativity, suddenly they're going to get crushed. I'm talking about the spirit realm, and you're going to see transformation. I bless President, uh, President of Biden. Yeah, that's funny. Woo. We're, we're going to leave that one right there. <laughs> Jesus, we just bless President Biden right now. 
He's one who you love and whom you're after. Would you bring him to his right mind? Would you heal his body? Would you heal his wife, Jill? Will you touch his son, Hunter? Would you begin to overwhelm them with the goodness of your love, Jesus, that causes them to turn to you? I just declare the testimony of heaven is greater. It's greater. Shift the atmosphere. What if instead of our political meetings, we are throwing bombs at the other side and we begin to bless and prophesy the solution of heaven to them? What if all of a sudden the ones that you're an enemy against and you begin to bless them and all of a sudden you start getting phone calls saying, I don't know what happened, but I've met Jesus and he told me to talk to you. Do you hear what I'm saying? The dead will rise, the blind will see, the demons will flee. These are the signs that follow those who what? So testify to what you believe. Testify to what you believe. Last one. This is the underpinning. The testimony of the Scripture. Jesus says to the religious leaders, you examine the Scriptures because you think that in them, in other words, by following rules and regulations, you'll actually discover the secret to life. And he says, no, they were only pointing to one, and that's Jesus. Jesus is the living word. So what's the testimony of the word of God in your heart and in your life? You need to devour this thing as if it's a legal testimony to your success, to your blessing, to your turnaround, to your transformation, to the transformation and turnaround of your family, to your children, and generational inheritance and blessing. You need to devour this word because it's not about a bunch of red words, black words. It has nothing to do with the paper. It has everything the one who actually wrote it, the Holy Spirit. And you need to know the testimony. You need to hide the word of God in your heart. There's so many times that I'm preaching that I don't open this, but what you're getting is testimony of the word of God because I've hidden scriptures inside of my heart and I can't help it when I begin to move in the Spirit, Scripture starts coming to me left and right because it's been hidden inside of my spirit and it begins to testify. I don't need the testimony of a mere man or mere mortal. I want the testimony of the living Word of God that's actually going to be transformative. It's sharper than the two in the edge sword. It cuts through the mess. When's the last time you looked at this as a legal testimony for your transformation? Not wishful thinking. We need to get away from wishful thinking. We need to get away from, I hope this is good. I hope God brings it around and turn around. No, that's not faith. That's wishful thinking. What if we moved into, no, the Word of God never returns back to the Father void of what He sent it to accomplish. So in your prayers, I begin to declare the Word of God over my kids and over my children over our president, over our mayor, over our state legislator. I've been praying that a lot lately. I've been praying it over our finances. I've been praying it over your finances. I've been praying it over your marriages. I've been praying it over your children. I begin to see a transformation take place the moment I really said, Lord, I'm going to go to war with the Word of God. And I'm going to testify. How did Jesus testify about Himself? He pointed, it is written. It's been spoken by my Father. It's been spoken by the prophets. Do you hear what I'm saying? 
What's the testimony that you carry? Do you carry the testimony of a prophetic word? Do you carry the testimony of actually stepping out the works, the actions? You can say, yes, I've done something with it. Do you carry the testimony of the Father about you and for other people? And do you carry the testimony of the Word of God that's so deep within you, there's no separation between you and it? I think sometimes when, and it is all relational. Hear me. Let's say it's all relational. When Jesus said, Father, that they would be one as you and I are one. Talking about we're one. We're one through the Spirit of God. We're one through the Spirit of, of family. But we're also one because this, the Word of God. How do you become one with Jesus? How do you become one with the Father? Relationship through His Word. Relationship through prayer. Relationship through what we did up here, worship. Relationship through taking action. But make this the most important thing that you actually put your eyes on in this next two weeks. I actually had a dream last night. And there's specifically a time frame on it. And, and the Lord says this, I want you to open your mouth and I'm going to feed you a scroll. So I open my mouth up in the, in the dream. I'm like, Lord, what are you feeding me? He says, I'm feeding you my word. It says the level that you devour it is the level that there's going to be a 30, 60, 100-fold return. And, and what I saw is I saw the calendar going like this. And within two weeks, there was actually a radical tra- transformation that began to take place in some situations that are, we're praying into across the, across the world right now. I, I'm not going to go into it. But I saw it, and it was a direct correlation. The Lord says, if you allow me to feed and devour my word, just eat it, don't spit it out. And here's the thing they'll realize. As it crossed my palate, some of it tasted bitter, some it tasted sweet, some of it tasted like nothing. But all of it was the word of God. And the Lord says this, if you can change your appetite not by what satisfies you or what revolts you, but only so what you can get from it, you'll actually eat everything that I've got for you. And so I just want to give a prophetic act if you'd stand up with me right now. Um, I I want you in your mind's eye right now. So go ahead and close your eyes because you need to not be distracted. First ask, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Now, I want you to imagine your mind's eye, Jesus standing before you, and he's handing a scroll. One of the scrolls has prophetic words written on it. One of the scrolls has the testimony of your works, because he's already foreseen it. One of the scrolls has a testimony of the Father about you. And then imagine now he wraps around all three of those a larger scroll. And that scroll is the Word of God. And he's going to give you a choice in this moment right now. Are you willing to receive fully the testimony of Jesus to you right now? And every child, teenager, and adult has to make a decision for yourself So take it serious. 
Do you want some of God or all of God? The count of three, he's going to honor the choice you make. If it's yes, open your mouth and, and just imagine. I just see it. He's just going to begin to put that scroll into you. If the answer is no, there's no shame, guilt, or condemnation, but know that you missed out on something. One, two, three. And if you're receiving, I want you to say, I fully receive what you're giving me. I will fully steward what you've given me. And I will put it to the work of the kingdom. Yeah. And let's prophesy to you now, within two weeks, you're going to begin to see a 30, 60, 100-fold return. See more clearly than you've ever seen before the goodness of God, the intentions of the Father's heart, that your spiritual eyes are going to begin to discern things of the heart of the Father that's far greater than the discernment of what the enemy intends. I just prophesy to you now that within these two weeks, your words are going to have power to transform So you're going to have to be intentional with the words you speak. Because it says overflow of the mouth, the heart speaks. Your heart's being transformed in these next two weeks. There's an overflow that's going to come out. And suddenly, impossible situations, you're going to be able to unlock. You're going to say, let it rain, it's going to rain. You're going to say, let it grow, it's going to grow. Father, we come into agreement right now the testimony of heaven about what you're wanting to do through this church family and through our region and city. And we just thank you for it and we embrace it right now and declare this in Jesus' mighty name and all God's people said, amen, amen. Give him a shout of praise one more time. Thank you so much for joining us as we seek first after God's kingdom and release it to transform lives and cities. If you would like more information about how to grow in the kingdom or connect with Legacy, go to our website, www.legacynb.com.